realized that I had so much in my heart for them that I'd never shared to them personally. And uh, I had the opportunity and I took it to tell them how much they meant to me. And I just don't think that happens often enough. And so I wanted to do that, but here I'm a mess. So, um, so yeah, let me back up from that. <laughs> I don't, I don't uh, regret saying it, but I just know that if I spend too much time there, uh, we won't get where the Lord wants us to go today. Um, you know, uh, we're we're doing the the, the starting down this journey. Uh, Jason Barton did a great job last week talking about giants. Didn't he? Good? Let's just give him a hand. He did a great job. And. Uh, and and you all you all supported his ministry very well. Launched him with a little over three thousand dollars. So we thank God for that. And um, you know we're just, he's just getting started, but uh, but uh, we see the good things down the down the track. And so we're excited about that uh, to make that journey. Today I'm I'm actually starting uh, um, what probably will be a part one, part two of the giant called sin. And. Uh, uh, you know, those of you that think pastors don't preach about sin anymore, <laughs> here you go. Here you go. And so, you know, let me prove you wrong or let me prove you right or let me whatever. I don't know where you land on that whole thing. But um, probably, you know, some things that I've learned to understand. You know, there are certain things that run with um, your... Uh, with your vocation, let me just say it that way. So if you were uh, a house inspector, I could talk to you about what you do and you would tell me things to look for uh, in that, that, that house, that foundation. These are things that you know are going to break down. These are things that you know, hey, watch for this, watch for that. And I would want to talk to you about that uh, if I was going to buy a house, right? Um, or if you were in the, uh, one of the trades, you know, plumbing or electrical or HVAC or whatever the case may be, I would come to you. You and I would say, hey, I've, I've got this system and I need conversation about that. Tell me what I need to know. What do I need to avoid? All that kind of stuff. Can I, can I tell you that um, I'm, I'm a communicator, I'm a preacher, but I watch people's lives. And so I can see things down the track that they can't see because I've seen hundreds of them. I've watched this over and over and over and over and over. And I, I can anticipate things. I can see what happens if you carry out this train of thought, this way of living, this way of thinking, this way of operating. I can see it, not because I want to sit in judgment on it, but it's in my seat. It's in my, it's in my alley. It's in my lane. This is the thing that I do. I, 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 you know, I've, I've done this for years. And not to observe people so that I can neener, neener, neener. I told you don't do that, but so that I can warn them, so that I can say, if you think this way, if you think this way, if you think this way, this is a better way, because ultimately, we as believers have to say, we're not better than, but we are better off, because we follow Jesus, right? And I'll talk a little bit about why that's so important in our lives today as I start talking about this issue of sin. Now, in talking about the issue of sin, the problem is it's deceptive, right? The title of the message is Lie to Me. The truth about deception, the truth about sin is it's deceptive. You don't know that you got it, but you got it. But you don't know. So when I say you got it, you say, I ain't got it. You just lied. 
you're already deceived. But if I, if I start to talking about the symptoms of the sin rather than the source, are you know I'm talking about there's a source and there's a symptom? If I started talking about the symptoms, everybody gets uptight when I tap the place that they are particularly sensitive in. So I'll do the fun ones, like gluttony. It's not gluttony, I just like to eat. It's not OCD, it's just a hobby. About eight months ago, about eight months ago, I said something about boats, and man, I got, I got pushback on that. Pastor Kane, you, you tell, you're preaching about what's wrong with my boat. I can have a boat. I got freedom in Christ. What's wrong with you? It's difficult to talk about sin, the symptom of sin, and, and not get some pushback because some people are like, oh, but I like that. It's kind of like, you know, they're, they, they want to, uh, well, I'm, Okay. So let me, just, let me just make something. Okay, so I, I thought coming in today, I need an illustration. How can I illustrate this in a way? What is something that everybody, every, every, everybody hates, right? And I thought about all these different things. I'm like, oh, everybody hates snakes. If I just went with snake, but no, there'd be like two people. In, snakes are your friend. There'd be like two people in this whole room that would say it. And, and so then I would have to disqualify them. Then I would say, well, what about flies? Everybody hates flies. But I've heard some African missionaries actually prefer flies in their drink because they're so used to it. The, the drink tastes better. I don't know. No, it's a, it's a joke. It's an old preacher joke. It's an old missionary joke. Flies, please. You know, they, no. So th this is what I arrived at, and I, th I think you'll see the understanding of it. Um, I, I'm going to add something to Scripture today. Okay. Just for clarification. But... It, it, it does have its limitations. Anytime you add to Scripture, I know you're getting into trouble, but I want this is for clarification for your own purposes. Because one of you, uh, several of you understand this, this principle. You understand the principle that our ears become dull when we hear the same word over and over and over and over and over and over. And after a while, we tune out. We don't feel it anymore. The word has lost its edge in our life. And so the scripture, this happens in scripture, and that's a dangerous thing. When scripture loses its edge, when you, when you no longer hear it the way you need to hear it with fresh ears, right? We've got to hear the word of the Lord, not the word of man. The word of man's going to fall to the ground, but we've got to hear the word of the Lord because it's by the word of the Lord that our salvation, our eternal destiny is involved in that. And so you don't want to just get dull to it. That's why Jesus said, be very careful how you hear. Be very careful how you hear. Don't tune this out. Because here's the, the truth, and this part's in your notes. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, and keep you longer than you want to stay. So the only choice you have is who is going to be your master. Because once you choose who your master is going to be, the results are out of your hands. How the master uses you is totally up to that master. You only get to make that choice once. You don't get to make the choice regarding the results. Are you with me? So this is going to be part one of two parts, at least two parts. Um, but I, I want you to go with me. So here's where I'm changing the word, okay? And I'm telling you in advance so you understand it. But in Romans chapter 7, I'm going to change one word, and it's the word sin. 
And I'm going to change it to that word that I think 100% of us will agree, we all hate cancer. Probably nobody in this room hasn't been touched by cancer either personally or somewhere in your family. All of us probably uh, hate it at varying degrees, whether it's the idea of it, whether it's what the, the loss that we've experienced in our lives, cancer. So I'm just going to use the word cancer. It also has another metaphorical kind of connection because cancer cells are healthy cells that have become uh, hijacked by some other little genetic code in them. And, and so they feed off of what the rest of your physical body around them feeds off of. When you're, when you're feeding your body food so that your body can be healthy and grow, well, those cancer cells are saying, thank you very much. I think I'll just grow right alongside of the rest of these healthy cells, even though they're cancer. Are you tracking with me? So the same is true with the issue of sin is that it gets so closely related to the rest of us, uh, of, our, of, our, of our being, that we have a very difficult time separating it out so that we don't have a proper perspective on sin anymore because that's what deception does. Did God really say, well, let me pause for a minute. Hmm, let me think about, did God really say? That is the start of cancer that brought death on the planet. A simple, generic, seemingly harmless question. Did God really say? That's where it started. Every abortion, every suicide, every addiction, every disease on the planet, did God really say? So it's important for us to be careful how we listen and that we stay close to the word because we want to be able to say, it is written. This is what God did say. That's where our strength comes from, right? So Romans chapter 7, let's get into the word. Just follow along with me. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death for cancer Seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment deceived me, and through the commandment put me to death. So then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. But in order that sin might be recognized as, excuse me, that cancer might be recognized as cancer, it produced death in me through what was good, so that through the commandment, cancer might be utterly sinful, cancerous. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is cancer living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of cancer at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the cancerous nature, a slave to the law of cancer. Lord, I just pray that you would help me to share clearly what it is that you want us to get a hold of from your word today. And I pray, Lord, that we would be able to separate out 
Lord, the issues that are concerning us and that are concerning your word so that we can take a hold of it very clearly and very in a, in a, in a strong and succinct way that we might all be edified and encouraged today in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, how many times have you heard this story? Well, she just went in for a regular checkup and she found out she had cancer, right? How many conversations have started that way? Didn't know it. Everything was fine. Let me tell you what happened. The doctor went in, and and uh, when and in that moment, the the doctor either took a CT scan or did a blood test or or did something to evaluate the body. You see, the the way God designed our bodies to function, uh, there are metrics along with them, aren't there? You know, your blood pressure should be between here and here. Your heart rate should be be between here and here, um, all the different ways that you could measure your physical body. And, and those things make sense. That's why going to the doctor makes sense. It's not just a matter of prayer. There's, there's wisdom by the way God created our bodies to function. And so, when the, so the doctor is looking at our bodies to make sure that all the parameters are right. But what happens when there's a cancer cell or a group of cancer cells in our body is that the measuring system says there's something wrong. Now we've got to find out what that is. Now we've got to figure out what that was. And, and so we have to measure it. Now that doesn't mean uh, that the cancer wasn't there before. It just means that you didn't have the metrics to evaluate the cancer by. Are you, are you tracking with me? So, so let's use that analogy back over to what Paul is saying. He's saying, look, sin has been around since, since Adam had juice dripping off his chin. Sin has been around that long. But before the law came, we never could quantify it. We never could evaluate it. We never could categorize it. We never could say, this is where we're missing the mark. We just knew it was sin, and, and, but we lived any old way we pleased because there wasn't anybody telling us otherwise. You know, if you go into another part of the world, uh, they will have different uh, categorizations for sin than we do as Westerners. That's because they, they, you know, they're not using the same grid. You know, if you go to a part of the world that did not have a Judeo-Christian heritage, they don't know the Ten Commandments. They don't know that adultery is wrong. They just, you know, they don't know that murder is wrong. Hey, heck, that guy stole something from me, so I took him out. You know, it makes sense in some parts of the world to just cut off the hand because, hey, that guy stole with that hand, so I'm going to take off the hand. It makes sense in that part of the world. Right? So uh, what, what, what the law did was the law said, this is good. This is what good looks like, and you're not good. And Paul was saying, I didn't really realize um, where sin was at in my life. And so when he says, so when the law came, sin sprang to life. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, I saw my, oh, my gosh. I'm, I didn't know it, but, but I'm not where I should be. How many of you ever found yourself in a situation where there's, there, you know, there are, there are laws that, that happen um, in our world that, uh, that somebody broke somewhere and they said, we got to make a law now. Like I was just listening to a podcast the other day and there's a conversation about, there's a law on the books in Oklahoma, thou shall not hunt whales in Oklahoma. <laughs> True story. You know, it's against the law to hunt for whales in Oklahoma. Can somebody do a geography lesson for me? How does that even work? 
What is that? You know, and, and so laws are there because somebody violated something and somebody said that ain't right, so we got to make a law. And, and so when, when God spoke truth, I mean, there's not even an ocean anywhere near Oklahoma. Right, and uh, and so so somebody broke it, so they said we got to make a law, and and so in your life and mine, sometimes we don't really realize we're we're messing up until we're messed up, right? And sometimes we're not even tempted until we see the law that's there to break. I, you know, I, I spent my high school years in in Western North Carolina, and uh, Western North Carolina kids were dipping skull at three. Four years old, they were. They, it was the family business, and you and you taught that kid to, to dip Copenhagen when he was five. I mean, he graduated from four to five. You think I'm joking, but I am not. I assure you, God's truth, true story. Students, you know, are on the buses. Okay, you can dip, you can dip, but you can't spit on the bus. This is my inauguration. I'm in eighth grade. I'm on buses, and they're, you know, and, and, okay, so some of you are saying, Pastor Ken's coming out again. No, no, what's funny is I, I never wanted to spit in my life until somebody told me not to. <laughs> Don't get, do not, you know, there were signs up in the, in the, the square, do not spit on sidewalk. Dog, I wanted to. It never occurred to me to spit until I saw the sign, don't spit. All of a sudden, I could feel the salivation happening to <laughs> What was it? What was going on? Now that's a that's a fun one. But what was going on? That was sin at work in my members. That was that was you're not the boss of me. That was rebellion on the inside of Ken Kramer and 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 causing me to think about stuff that I didn't want to think about. You know, I hadn't thought about. wasn't anything in my mind. I was just minding my own business. Don't spit. Right? And, and so this is what Paul's saying. He said, there's this wretched thing. He said, I have to say that the law is good because it tells me how to live. But what I see is I'm captive on the inside. There's something on the inside of me that the law wakes up that, that is not right. And I agree that the law of God is right. But what's on the inside of me is not right. And I don't know what to do about it because I'm stuck with this. It's the, it's the way I've lived. It's, it's the way every generation before me has lived. It's everything that my family knows. They don't know anything different. This is the whole deal. And this is the thing I want you to get. Uh, point number one, sin is universal to humanity. I'm going to talk about sin, but I'm going to talk about something all of us have. I could say, let's talk about breath today. We all have it, right? And we're thankful for it. And you don't really miss it until you don't have it or you can't catch it. You know, uh, you know, these are, this is universal to humanity. Sin is universal to humanity. Every birth is a reminder that we're related to Adam and every death is a reminder of sin in the world. It doesn't mean God's picking on people. It just means that this is the system that was created you know, as a result of Adam's sin in the garden. Did God really say? Don't eat of that tree or else you'll die. Adam with the juice dripping down. Look, we're not dead. God said, trust me, you're dead. You're standing there, but you're dead. It all Sin, disease, sickness, all of it in, in that moment. Sin is universal to humanity. Romans 3.23 tells us, for all have sinned. Say it, all. 
all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and so the book of Romans is all about glory. It's all about who gets the glory. It's all about what mankind does in, in ex, his expression with God. The Bible says uh, that, uh, that mankind uh, worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. We don't want to give God the glory that, uh, that he's due. We would rather make a name for ourselves, right? Um, men love darkness rather than light. Men, men would, would rather exchange the truth of God and his glory for a lie, you know, and, we, and that's how idols are made, right? We create idols in our own image. We create all kinds of idols. Isn't it funny, though, when you read about the golden calf in, in, uh, in Exodus, you say, that's the most ridiculous thing. Who would make a golden calf? We got more ridiculous idols. I could, I could pick on paper mache, and somebody here would say, stop messing with that. I love paper mache. You know, there's there some somewhere somehow we we find ourselves you know creating these idols. Sin is universal to humanity, and so there's not a, a human being that's ever been born that wasn't born into sin. So this is not an issue that I'm saying that you're saying, Pastor Ken, I'm feeling judged today. You're human, right? You are sinful by our relation to the human race, right? So sin is the gateway for death. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. In other words, there's a wage. that Sin is at work, it's working, it's working in our world, and the only wage payable for sin is death. That's the end result. It's gonna get its due. Sin is always gonna get its due. Now, as we think and think through this, I want you to I want you to understand again. This is the process that our world is in, and so when you look at somebody dying and say, "Well, you know, they died because they were in sin." Well, I don't know. They were they were born into sin. Yes, that's why we're dead. Now, uh, some people die young, but I think I think you're in a, a a difficult spot to point and say it's because of this, this, or this that they're gone. Now, some sins, some, some deaths are connected to the sin directly, right? You know, if, if, I'm, if I'm doing something that's detrimental to my body, I'm putting stuff in my body that's not supposed to be there, and I die as a, as a result of that, you know, uh, that, you know uh, sin, sin has a way of, of capturing and, and paying the wage that way. But, uh, but we need to recognize sin is the gateway for death. Thirdly, sin has both individual and cosmic consequences. It wasn't just Adam and Eve in the garden. It was all of us. Was it individual? Yes. Adam and Eve sinned. But we were there with them. Every nation, every 7.2, 7.4 billion people on the planet today, all with Adam and Eve in the garden, connected to a decision. Well, that wasn't me, Pastor Ken. I think I want to. I think I want to go and and uh, you know go to God's supreme court and say, what the heck is this? Why am I being? Why am I liable for what they did? It's the way it's set up. Just like kids should not have to pay the penalty for stupid parents. Did I say stupid? Some words are just the best words to use in a sentence. 
That's good literature. <laughs> but it happens. We see it all the time, right? And, and why do we see it? it? We see it. We see it because that's what Adam, that happened. Adam was our, Adam's our dad. And we're paying the price for his stupidity. Adam was a rebel. He only had one choice to make. And he made the wrong one. It wasn't complex. He didn't have to worry about sleeping around. He didn't have to worry about a mother-in-law. It was not complex. Don't eat of that tree. Only decision. Only one decision. He got it wrong. You want to go back to him and say, you only had one job to do. But we're all paying the price for that one decision. We're talking about the nature of sin. We're talking about how it's deceptive. We're talking about how that it never really tells you the full story. Can I, even, even the statement, you shall surely die. Let me ask you a question. Had Adam ever seen anything die before? Everything in the garden was created to live forever. Even the concept of death. Even the concept of separation. He had no clue. God told him about a concept that he had never experienced. That he didn't have a Webster's Dictionary that he could look it up and do some comparison. You will surely die as he's listening to the voice of his father in the garden. Adam, you won't be able to hear my voice anymore. He has no concept. Because from the time he was born, he was hearing the father's voice. He doesn't know what that means. He only knows that right and wrong is found in God. And he knows that he is the son of God. But the serpent comes and deceives him. You will be like God. When he looks around and he knows, having walked with God, that there's a creature that's talking to him and it's got legs and it's walking around, who's more like God? Me or that thing? Notice the deception. He, you know, and, and so we'll talk about it next week. That, you know, the only thing that the enemy can ever do, it, we think it's complex, it's really, really simple. It's a smoke screen that he blows that makes you think it's complex. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life. That's all the devil's got. And he used it on Adam, and he used it on Christ, and he uses it on the church today. He's, he's got those three things. And Jesus defeated him with De Deuteronomy. It is written. It is written. It is written. How powerful is the word of God? Even in the Old Covenant, how powerful is the Word of God? It is written, right? Y'all are getting a lot of extra content that the 8 o'clock didn't get. <laughs> Lastly this morning, sin can only be escaped through death. Sin is universal. Sin has both individual and cosmic consequences, right? All, all have sinned. It has individual and cosmic consequences, here, um, you know, we've got to realize that there's only one solution for sin. How do you get rid of sin? Death. It's going to pay the price. You've got to pay the price for sin. Sin's got to be paid for. There's a debt. It's got to be paid for. It's got to be paid for. And the only way you pay off sin is by death. That is the debt. That's the only way you can eradicate it. It's the only way you can deal with it. It's the only way you can settle that account. It's got to be settled some kind of way. 
And every human being that's ever been born because of our connection to Adam is going to experience death, right? Going to experience death. But here's what, here's what Paul's uh, statement is. He says in verse 6, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of cancer might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to cancer, because anyone who has died has been freed from cancer. See, you and I are living and breathing. And if there were cells inside of us that weren't supposed to be there, those cells would be fed as well. Every time I eat my food, I'm feeding those cells that are aberrant, that are not there. God says sin, sin has to be atoned for by death. Now, God came up with a solution. And here's the most amazing solution. Sin required death. But the problem is, how do you get rid of sin in your life? Well, I guess I'm going to have to die. Well, that's not really a good solution. I'm not for that. The Bible says God made him who had no sin to be a sin offering for us. An offering. There had to be a death. There had to be a death. There had to be a substitute. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God, so that we might go sin-free, so that we might go cancer-free, so that we might go, so that, so that whatever was in our genes, whatever was in our DNA that was, that was catered or connected to our old life, that that might be done away with so that we might be free. Are you tracking with me? Do you understand? Can I, can I tell you, this is why, this is why Jesus or Islam? Well, Muhammad was a man. Not the son of God. Doesn't work. Jesus or Hinduism? All the Hindu teachers, all men, all died in sin. Right? Point to Buddha. Buddha's a man. He died. Probably can find his tomb somewhere. Right? They didn't have power over death because they were in sin. They were conceived in sin like everybody else. Jesus Christ conceived of the Holy Spirit in the womb of a virgin. Bypassed the sinful bloodline. Only Jesus was innocent. Only Jesus was uh, tempted in all ways as we are yet without sin. And so when he went to the cross, it was sinless blood that flowed. It was blood not of this world. Was it blood? Yeah, but not of this world. So that your sin, yours, yours, not everybody else's, not the rest of the world's except you, not only Italians, not only Jews, but that the sin of the whole world could be atoned for. Are you tracking with me? Now, here's the issue. Here's the issue. 
you don't get access to this because you showed up at 4299 George Washington Memorial Highway and I'm giving a discount today on salvation. You don't get access because you're sitting in an air-conditioned room in America. You don't get access to this because you're in the right family or in the right family line or have the right family tree or have enough money in your bank account. You don't get access because of any of those things. And you don't get access because you're related to the right people. My grandmother was a, an amazing saint of God, but she told me about Jesus. And she said, Kenny, you need to know Jesus. I said, but Graham, you're an awful great lady. I know you. Isn't that good enough? She says, God has no grandchildren. He only has children. Children who have come to him and said, Jesus, I need what you have. I owe a debt that I could not pay. And you paid a debt that you did not owe. And so I say, Jesus, only you are worthy of me calling anything or anyone Lord. Only you. Only you. Thine is the kingdom. Thine is the power. Thine is the glory. Only you, Jesus, because only you can set me free from sin. You took my penalty. You paid for it. You paid my debt in full. I'll never have to face my sin again. What? You mean that mistake you made last night? It's under the blood. You confess. You say, Jesus, forgive me. It's under the blood. You confess. He says, I'm purifying you right now. As you are speaking, I am purifying you right now from all unrighteousness. It's gone. You ever wonder, you know, you want to come back to God and say, God, I know I just talked to you about this last week. What did we talk about last week? You know, I told you how I blew it last week and how I was never going to. We didn't talk about that. I don't remember it. Why? Because God eradicates it. He, he takes our, our sin and he casts it into the sea of forgetfulness, right? Puts up a no fishing sign. You can't go back. You can't go back. If, the, if your mind and the devil reminds you of something, you know what? You and God can vote him out. It's under the blood. It's under the blood. Let me talk about the blood for a minute. It's under the blood. The blood says it doesn't apply. The blood says I'm free. The blood says I'm innocent. The blood says I'm pure. Hallelujah. Only Jesus can eradicate your sin. Only Jesus. Let me tell you, I'm going to close where I started. You will serve one of two masters. You will serve the living God who says Jesus is my sacrifice. And if you accept Jesus, then I will promise you that you will have everything you need for life and for godliness. I will promise you that when you encounter a season in your life and you're not sure what to do, that if, you, if your knees hit the ground and you say, Father, I need some help, he said, I will give you what you need. That there is no sacrifice you ever make on this planet that I won't, uh, I won't resupply you over and over and over again. No one who has ever given up houses or lands or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers ever gains, not, fails to gain a hundred times in this life and in the life to come. That's the promise of God. But if you choose your way, you get to choose your master. I'm going to let adultery master me. 
I'm going to let a substance master me. I'm going to choose a car or money. That's going to be my master. But it, I guarantee you, whatever you take is going to take you farther away than you wanted to go. And it's going to cost you more than you thought you were ever going to have to pay. And it's going to keep you longer than you wanted to stay. You get to choose your master, but you don't get to choose the destination. Are you with me? Do you understand? Let's stand this morning. I believe the Holy Spirit's tugging on our hearts. Altars are open right now. Holy Spirit, deal with our hearts right now. Come on, step out from where you're at, wherever you're at. Just come, come before the Lord. Confess to Jesus. Just come to Jesus. He's the purifier. You're not coming to a man. You're not coming to say, oh, Pastor Kent. No, you come to Jesus today. You talk to him. He knows your life. He knows where you're at. He knows where your struggle is. Lay those struggles down this morning. Step out from where you're at. It doesn't matter if you've been here 20 years. Step out from where you're at and just do business with the Lord this morning. Would you do that? Would you just step out? Jesus, I need you. I need your victory in this area of my life, God. Next week, we're going to talk about that. Next week, we're going to talk about how to reckon yourself dead. But let's give Jesus the glory for having taken all of our sin upon himself. This morning, where are you at? Where are you at? Holy Spirit, we want to do business with you this morning. We're not worthy. Lord, we were conceived in sin. Before we ever did anything right or wrong, everything was wrong. The one thing we can say is none of us in this room are innocent. None of us in this room have never sinned. <clears throat> and just that need alone means that we need a Savior. Lord, I own my debt today. I own it. I've lied. I've cheated. I've lusted. I've done things that I'm not proud of. But God, I bring all those things before you today. And I thank you that as I lay them at the foot of the cross, that the blood is still fresh at the foot of the cross. That even though the offer was made 2,000 years ago, it's just as real today. Come on, Holy Spirit's talking to you in this room. He's talking to you about your life. He's talking to you about where you've been. I know you feel the tug of sin. I know you feel the bondage. I know you feel it wrapped up. If you'll just agree with God and recognize that you can't do this yourself. You, you have to accept what Jesus has done. Well, I can do better. No, you can't. Because if you can do better all by yourself, then Jesus' sacrifice was completely unnecessary. If you could do it on your own, if you could do it your way, then God didn't have to make a way. But he made a way where there was no way. Lay it down today. Lay down your will. Lay down your pride. Lay down that ability that you think you have to get yourself free. Just surrender to him all over this place. If that's you, if I just described an area of your life, just lift up your hand. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
He's dealing with your heart about something. He's dealing with your life about something. He's, he's dealing with you about leadership of your, your own soul. He's dealing with you all over this place. Just respond to God. Just respond to God. Don't leave here the same way that you came in. Make your calling and election sure. That means you've got to call on the Lord. That means you've got to secure your place. The offer's been made, but you have to respond. You have to decide, that's for me. I want what Jesus did for me. I see it clearer now than I did before I came in here. I understand it more fully now than I did when I walked in here, and I want to take hold of it today. That's what you're doing. This is not a, this is not a sliding scale of salvation at Lighthouse on Sunday morning. We don't care about those things. We only care that you in your heart of hearts know exactly what God is doing and that you're responding to the Holy Spirit because I want you to be connected to the Holy Spirit, that you would chase Him. When He speaks, you respond. That's, what, that's the deal. When He speaks, you respond. Holy Spirit, right now. Lord, I pray that each and every person would respond to you. I pray, Lord God, that, that they would choose today, choose today, that when they find themselves stuck, they would just lift up their hands and say, Lord, you said I'm dead to this. And so I'm gonna stand in faith that the cross was enough, that the empty tomb was enough, that the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ was enough to free me from this body of death. I agree with what the Word says, what the Apostle Paul said. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray today. Lord, there have been those with bondage in their lives. That bondage leaves today in Jesus' name. The chains fall off right now in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody all over this place. If you need freedom today, I want you to just lift up your hands and just begin to claim it. Begin to claim it. Begin to claim it in the resurrection of Jesus. Lord, I believe. I believe in you, Lord. I believe in you. This is not some religious exercise, not some calisthenics of charismatic minds, Lord. This is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work. It's more than enough. It's more than enough to cut off the bondage of addiction. It's more than enough to cut off the bondage of lust. It's more than enough to cut off the bondage of lying and cheating and stealing. It's more than enough. Lord, we come to you today. We say crucify us, Lord. The cross before me, the world behind me. A cross before me, the world behind me. We need you, Lord. Come on, I just, I'm going to linger just for a couple more minutes because I believe the Holy Spirit's doing a deep work here today. Would you just let him? Would you just let him? Would you? I know you're tired. You're tired of the religious exercise. You're try, tired of being on that treadmill that just never seems to, the, the, you know, you never get any different uh, view than what you have. You're on that treadmill of life, that treadmill of trying to walk with God. You're trying, you're trying, you're trying. Holy Spirit's saying today, stop trying. Stop trying and let the crucified life has, have its way in you. Put your will on the cross, not your works. Put your will on the cross. Put your own way on the cross. Jesus, the only thing that I can do is come humbly. The only thing that I can do is say, 
I'm a failure, but in you, I'm victorious. Thank you. Thank you that you, the innocent one, took my sin. Thank you that you, the innocent one, took my pain. Thank you that you, the one who had nothing to be ashamed of, took all of my shame. I'm going to say this and then we're going to close, but, you know, some of you have played the cover-up game with your sin. And in that darkness, it's, it's a cancer. And it just festers. It just gets worse. And I know why you do it, because we all do it. This is what Adam did. This is what Eve did. They made the they made the fig leaves, right? When the sin came, then the fig leaves came out. Can I just tell you, you don't have to be ashamed. Because we've all done it. You couldn't tell me anything that I probably haven't done. Or talked to 50 people who have. We all sin, we just have different flavors we prefer. The only way to deal with that is to get past the shame because that's connected to pride. That's the pride part of you that says, I don't want people to really know me. They'll never really know you unless you let them. And Jesus will never really, 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 you'll never really know him until you deal with that shame, until you put that pride down. We're not here to categorize sin. We're here to kill it. We're here to kill it. We're not here to say, I'm, I'm better or worse than you. We're here to kill sin. We have no other purpose. The reason the Son of God came was to destroy the devil's work. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I pray for a wind of humility in this room learn to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that we would stop trying to figure it out, reason our way out, justify our way out play the cover up game but Lord we would find ways to deconstruct the shame and be crucified with Christ just think about the pathway of Jesus who is obedient unto death even death on a cross. Therefore, God gave him a name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth to the glory of God the Father. You got to give up to go up. Father, in the name of Jesus, may we be a... May we be numbered among those that give up so that we can go up, so that we can ascend with you, Jesus. Show us the way. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you, church. Love you.